Welcome to Terravision Horror Podcast. I am your host, Jennifer Strand, and this is a Terravision mini-sode. Horror, sci-fi, trash, sleaze, and exploitation. These are a few of my favourite things, and a huge selection of them can be found streaming online for free. Join me as I scroll into the depths and add to my cinematic trash pile. This week, I stumbled upon Bigfoot from 1970, and if you know me, you know I enjoy a cryptid. Directed by Robert F. Slatzer and written by Slatzer and James Gordon White, Bigfoot stars John Carradine, Judith Jordan, Christopher Mitchum and B-movie blonde bombshell Joy Lansing, whose notable work includes Touch of Evil from 1958 and Hillbillies in a Haunted House from 1967. Hello, Sheriff. Something terrible happened. Another one of them preacher stories. Only this one tops them all. It took off with this girl, he thinks. <laughs> what do these creatures want? The only thing I can figure out is that they're a dying race. And they want to reproduce more of their own kind. Catch one of these critters. We can live high on the hog for the rest of our lives. But all I want to do is get my girl back. I got guns and lights out in the car. Now stop! They're practically subhuman. Except they still look like animals. How horrible. That's my crit up there! America's abominable snowman breeds with anything. Bigfoot kidnaps some women and some bikers decide to go on a rescue mission to save them. Yes. Yes, this is the word-for-word synopsis provided by Letterboxd and IMDb. Okay, so the late 1960s and the early 1970s saw a wave of exploitation films featuring motorcycle gangs portrayed as anti-establishment figures who, who rebel against all authority and engage in violence, drug use and sexual promiscuity. Slatzer, who also wrote and directed the 1968 female-led biker B-movie Hellcats, saw his opportunity and capitalised on it, giving us the greatest Bigfoot bike exploitation movie of all time. The film itself is credited as the first Bigfoot feature, released three years after the infamous Patterson-Gimlin footage, and some of the footage in this film was filmed in the similar area. All right. Before we get into it, let me drop that spoiler warning. So if you want to check out the film before you listen to the episode, I suggest you hit pause, come back later. All right, let's go. Joy Landis, played by Joy Lansing, arrives at an airfield and boards a small charter plane. She settles in, starts it up, gets the all clear and takes off. She's cruising over the thick woods of what we believe to be close to Bluff Creek. We cut to two men driving through the woods below her in a beat up wagon. The road is bumpy, the trees are thick, and we are introduced to Briggs and Jasper, played by John Carradine, two travelling salesmen on the road chasing their next big paycheck. Soon enough, the car overheats and they are forced to pull over. Jasper unties his door and they begin to assess the the severity. Briggs begins to dig around in the mountain of junk piled up in the back of the wagon, looking for a bucket or a pan, and then makes his way to the stream at the bottom of the hill. Jasper props himself against the car, lights a cigarette and is almost run off the road by an oncoming gang of youths on motorcycles. As Briggs gets closer to the stream, he hears unusual animalistic sounds surrounding him. He stumbles upon a set of tracks in the mud, footprints, big ones, almost twice his size. 
As he gets closer, he quickly fills the bucket and makes his way back up at the hill. By the time he gets back to the car, it's dark, he's spooked and he's eager to get the lead out. Back in the plane, Joy's joyride is cut short as the engine pops and the propellers fail. She calls in a mayday before pulling on a pack and parachutes to safety as the plane crashes. Once on the ground, she removes her pack and surveys her surroundings. Little does she know she's being watched from the distance by something big and hairy. It begins to approach. She screams and we cut to the opening title. Now, I love an opening title sequence from older films. They go by so quick. The music's good. And then, you know, soon enough, we are back. We, are, we open outside of Bennett's general store. A group of teens leave, followed swiftly by Bennett, who insists on payment for the ice cooler they tried to steal. They pay up, jump on their bikes, and speed off just as Jasper and Briggs rattle up. Inside, Jasper introduces himself to Bennett and immediately goes into his one of his many sales pitches. Cut back to the biker gang, making a quick stop. Rick and his girl Chris decide they're going to head off on their own for a bit, and meet up with the rest of the gang in a little while. And, you know, we all know what that means. We get a montage shot of the gang barreling through the woods before cutting back to Rick and Chris, laying on a rug, making out. Now, he, for some reason, leaves her alone in her underwear in the middle of nowhere to tune up his bike. Let me just say, when you have a gorgeous brunette laying on a rug in her underwear, you do not leave her to go tune up your bike. You can do that on any Sunday ever. So naturally, she wanders off into the scrub and almost immediately stumbles upon an old Indian burial ground. She calls out to Rick and together they marvel at the size of the graves. He disturbs a fresh one to reveal the corpse of a Bigfoot. Chris lets out a startled shriek and a Bigfoot jumps out from the bushes, beating Rick face first into the dirt before hoisting Chris over his shoulder and walking away. Hard cut to that night. The rest of the gang are partying in the woods, drinking beers, making out, listening to some groovy 60 garage rock. The group decide it's getting cold and late and they should probably move on. And not to worry about Chris, not to worry about Rick, they'll catch up with them when they're ready. Now, Rick wakes up in the dirt, stumbles to his feet and looks around for Chris, but she is nowhere to be found. He jumps on his bike, speeds off through the forest and arrives at the trashed camp where the gang had just been. Finding it abandoned, he hurries back to his bike and off into the night. Back at the general store, Jasper is still running through his list of sales pitches. Bennett, however, has had his fill and is trying politely to kick them out of the of, and to close up shop. About to lock the door, Rick comes bursting through the door, demanding to use the phone. He calls the local sheriff and lays out exactly what's happened in the woods and the creature that knocked him down. Of course, the sheriff doesn't believe a word he says and insists on speaking with Bennett, who, to the best of his ability, corroborates that the girl was with him when he came in this morning, but ain't with him now. The sheriff begrudgingly agrees to come up in the morning and hangs up. Rick calls up the gang and lays down the situation, Crazy or not, the gang are on their way. Bennett confirms strange happenings in the area and tells of a young boy who came up to the woods with his girl. He was found dead with his neck snapped and the girl was never found. Rick decides to head back out to look for Chris and Jasper kindly offers to help. He has guns and a light in his car and, off, and after hearing everything Rick has had to say, dollar signs in his eyes. 
Bennett, of course, gives a final warning to the trio before we cut to Jasper, Briggs and Rick navigating the dark roads in the old jalopy. Bigfoot hides in the bushes, watching as the men set out on foot with no food, no water, no map and no clue where they're going. In no time at all, Rick brings them back to the gravesite and upon seeing the Bigfoot corpse, starts hatching a plan that will surely make them millions. Rick, of course, has one mission and one mission only, to find Chris. Cut to Chris and Joy, both in their underwear and both bound to trees. Four Bigfoots, one of which is a baby foot, watch them from a safe distance, communicating with one another in low rumbles and growls. Chris asks what they are and Joy postulates that they are the missing link, a dying race that needs to breed to survive. One thing she is sure of, they are afraid of whatever is on the top of the mountain. We cut back to Jasper, Rick and Briggs setting up camp for the night. At first light, the three larger Bigfoots leave the camp with the babyfoot keeping watch over the women. Chris notices it doesn't look like the others and Joy once again theorises it must be a hybrid. The father is a Bigfoot and the mother must have been human. Jasper, Rick and Briggs come across Bigfoot tracks leading up to the mountain. Unbeknownst to them, the three Bigfoots have them surrounded, watching carefully from the bushes. But Jasper's keen sense of smell stops the trio and instead leads them closer. In a clearing, Briggs spies one of the Bigfoots and goes to take a, sh- a shot. Jasper stops him. They are worth more alive. Plus, if they track it, it'll lead them to Chris. As the day passes on, Briggs and Rick get the sense that Jasper has lost the scent. But he is determined that what they are looking for is at the tippy top of the mountain. The Bigfoots take their opportunity. Armed with weapon- weaponry, they tighten their circle and attack We cut back to Bennett's. The sheriff checks in out of procedure but rules it out as nothing more than teenage excitement. And remember those bikers? They arrive at the burial ground. Horrified by the corpse, they continue up the mountain until they find a small hunting lodge. The bikers ask the one-armed hunter and his friend if they've seen Rick or Chris up on the mountain. The one-armed hunter reveals a Bigfoot attack took his arm and has probably taken their friends. Immediately, he and his friend offer to join the search. Armed with guns, dynamite and a vast knowledge of the woods and each shortcut, they head up the mountain. Jasper, Briggs and Rick awaken, tied up alongside Chris and Joy. The Bigfoots howl, growl, hoot and holler as they point at Joy, point up to the mountain and begin to untie her. Up at the US Forest Service, one of the rangers receive a call from the sheriff. They've had no reports of any missing campers, but there was a report of a small private plane that crashed. Sheriff asks if there have been any reports or sightings of anything unusual and the ranger responds with a, no, nothing. Meanwhile, one of the Bigfoots steps up against the window and peers in. A nice schlocky bit of comedy for this film. Joy screams as she's dragged into a clearing and tied once once more to another tree. A deep growl and a rumble comes from the bushes as a mighty Bigfoot steps into the clearing. Joy screams once more before fainting and I'm suddenly in the mood to watch King Kong. We cut quickly to the biker gang and the hunters heading up the mountain on foot before cutting back to the camp of the Bigfoots. Jasper whispers to Briggs about Babyfoot sleeping by the fire. With a spectacle like that, think of all the money they could make travelling around the country. Up at the mighty Bigfoot lair, a bear saunters up to Joy. Still tied up, she lets out another scream and Bigfoot comes to her rescue. He wrestles with the bear, each getting in their blows. Joy takes the opportunity to free herself and escape back down the mountain. 
triumphant over the big, now dead bear, Bigfoot turns to Joy and realises she has escaped. Letting out a guttural roar, he takes off in pursuit. Now, despite the bikers heading up the mountain on foot, Rick hears motorcycles in the distance and soon enough they all pull up and untie everyone. Jasper immediately takes the opportunity to wrestle the baby foot. The hunter pulls his shotgun and as the other Bigfoots return, he scares them away with a couple of pot shots. With everyone together, Jasper and the hunters make the decision to track down the mighty Bigfoot. Rick, Briggs and the rest of the cycle gang make the decision to head back down the mountain. There's no need for any more violence today. But as Joy gets closer to the group, the mighty Bigfoot gets the drop on her and once again takes her screaming back up the mountain. Jasper hears her screams and everyone takes off in the direction. The hunter takes a shot at the mighty Bigfoot in the leg and he drops Joy. Another shot is delivered directly to his chest. He retreats into his cave and one of the bikers throws the dynamite behind him. A massive explosion rocks the mountains, trapping the beast inside. With mob justice delivered, everyone returns to the, and begins to make their way down the mountain. Jasper takes the opportunity to comfort Joy, but his kind gesture is quickly replaced with a sales pitch. A beautiful girl like her could make millions travelling the world, telling the harrowing tale of how she survived the eighth wonder of the world. End. Right. Okay, so the fact that this cryptid bike exploitation films at all brings me so much joy. Now, while it really didn't need to be a whole like motorcycle gang thing, I still stand by this choice and I love everything about it. The soundtrack is composed by Yule Box and sounds like it's been used uh, as a sample in a Tarantino film. It's got that very sort of 1960s vibe, but changes up with every sort of character. So Jasper's got that more country twang to it and the 60s kids, you know, they've got that rock and garage feel. I would 100% buy this soundtrack. It is a solid 120 minutes. And, you know, once you take out any of the added stock footage or just the continuous walking up and down the mountain, it could easily sit at like an hour, quite possibly. I love the costume design, but I love a B-movie that utilises a gorilla costume. I love that the only way they could depict the size of the mighty foot was over the others with an angled up ground shot. So they basically got the camera, put it at its feet, pointed up. I really wish I could have gotten more cryptid action, but with budgetary constraints, you know, we're lucky we got five of them. It really wouldn't surprise me that a film like this was remade today in either a parody or a, a miniseries. And honestly, I would probably watch it. So what do you think? Will you check out Bigfoot? It's streaming for, streaming for free on Tubi. And probably YouTube. So guys, as I say, this is a mini-sode. That's going to do it for me. If you have a recommendation, feel free to reach out. I'm already compiling a list from a couple of you and i got to say, I love your choices. The Bonfire Horror Club is coming up this Friday and there may still be tickets available to the second screening. I cannot believe, well, I can. I can believe that they've sold out the Eximax. We're talking 40 years of Freddy Krueger, 40 years of A Nightmare on Elm Street. How good is that? We will also be returning to the Adelaide Comic and Toy Fair this April, so make sure you grab tickets. We'll be selling T-shirts and other horror paraphernalia if I can get my hands on some really cool stuff. So anyway, guys, you have been listening to Terrorvision Horror Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Pod. And until next time, I don't have a sign-off.